gospel is a very particular word or kind of speech in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the gospel is God's promise of a son who will crush the serpent's head, forgive the sins of his people, raise them from the dead, and give them everlasting life solely on the basis of his grace for the sake of Christ. If you're interested in the, the beginnings of the church, you know, I think looking at the creed is a great way of, of getting into church history and really seeing where the faith kind of came together. In the scripture, the way it presents discernment is actually the skill that you develop where you're able to identify goodness. And what was surprising to me is that is much the way we use the language of discernment outside of the church. The real difference, I would say, like what patriarchy teaches versus what we should believe, is that what they believe about the nature of men and women, that there is something fundamentally different about authority and submission between men and women. And that's not just like within particular relationships, but men and women in general. This is their nature. What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man. The Gospel never tells us something to do. The Gospel tells us about something that's been done. Hi, and welcome to Theology Gals. I am Colleen Sharp, and my co-host is Rachel Miller. And before we get into today, today's subject, I wanted to mention something. In the next little while, there may come a time that we take a few weeks off. My dad has not been doing very well, so if we suddenly take some weeks off, that'll be why, just so I can spend some time with him. So, with everything that we've been talking about with law and law and gospel, uh, we wanted to talk about assurance today. And I think probably if I were to uh, look at all of the messages I receive, emails, messages on Facebook and Twitter, this is probably the most common thing that people message me about is um, about assurance. And so I think it's a topic that is super important and worth talking about. And I'm going to hand it over to Rachel to get us started. Sure. Um, where I wanted to start today in talking about assurance is with the history of the Reformation uh, and how assurance is, you know, one of the, the fruits, one of the, the blessings that we have from the Reformation. Um, I wrote an article uh, a couple years ago for uh, place for Truth, and we'll link it uh, at the end of in our notes here. But um, it was on assurance and what we can learn from the Westminster Confession of Faith, and a lot of what I'll talk about today is it's drawn from that article. But um, assurance was one of the things that was at the heart of the Reformation. Uh, a quote that I read from an article, another one that we'll link, is was by Cardinal Robert Bellarmine. Bellarmine from the 1500s, 1600s, and he said that the greatest of all Protestant heresies is assurance. And, and here's why. At the time of the Reformation, the Roman Catholic Church taught that uh, believers could never be certain of their salvation, 
um, that believers needed to be careful that they uh, did all the right things and that they um, took part in all the sacraments that, so that they could merit their final justification, their salvation. But no one could be certain if they would be saved. In contrast to that, the Reformers taught that salvation, because it's accomplished by, by God's work, by uh, Christ alone, right, through faith alone, uh, by grace alone, that believers could know for certain that we're saved because Christ's life, death, and resurrection have secured full salvation for us, his people. So instead of trying to, to add enough works to be sure that we're saved, we can receive and rest upon Christ's finished work for our salvation. And because the Spirit is at work in us, we have been united to Christ and we receive all of his benefits. And one of those benefits is the perseverance of believers until our day um, of redemption, until Christ returns. So, we don't have to wonder if we've done enough to be saved. We don't have to live in fear that God is going to reject us at the judgment day. Our salvation has been accomplished. And as uh, Philippians 1 says, God has begun a good work in us, and he will bring it to completion. You know, one thing I was thinking about when you were talking, Rachel, about the Reformation, in the old Martin Luther movie, it's, I think, 1953, and it's old black and white, and I think you can find it free, I think maybe even on YouTube, so if our listeners haven't watched that, it's my favorite of the Luther movies. And I, of course, I don't know how historically accurate this particular scene is, but it's, I think it demonstrate something and they're asking Luther well if you take away indulgences and you take away you know he's kind of listing all of these things that the people do to kind of earn their salvation and he says what will you have and Luther says Christ Christ alone and that is who we rely on for our salvation not indulgences and not our good works and not relics and but in Christ Christ alone and really thinking about the reformation in the five solas those alones you know faith alone and Christ alone and grace alone and scripture alone and to God alone be the glory because it's Christ from first to last it's not us absolutely that's it's so encouraging that it's not us, right? It's not, it's not us. We didn't save ourselves, and we don't keep ourselves. You know, it's, it's His work in us. There was a conversation recently where somebody said, well, you know, it was kind of this free will in salvation versus um, election. And somebody said, well, you know, God wants us to come, but, but we have to do these things. And, you know, I was explaining, it's it's Christ alone, it's not because of anything great in us, you know. Um, otherwise, we really could in some way say, okay, well, I've, I've done it. I've done enough. That's something great about me. Right. You know. We could have pride in it, if it were our, mm-hmm. our work. And also, I think of the rest that we've talked about before, that we can rest in that. And, you know... Um, in, in the Catholic faith and in some of these works-based salvation, there is no rest. None. None at all. All of the Reformed creeds and confessions address uh, assurance. The one that uh, I'm most familiar with and the one that I'm going to 
use to kind of outline our discussion today is the Westminster Confession. The chapter 18 is on assurance of grace and salvation. And there are four questions in particular that it addresses that I want to talk about today. Um, The first is, what is assurance? And what is the purpose of assurance? How can we have assurance? And what do we do if our assurance is weak or weakened? So to start off, you know, what is assurance? And according to the Confession, assurance is a true hope. It's a certainty of salvation for those who truly believe and love Jesus and seek to live a life pleasing to Him. This is not a false hope for those who don't believe. It's not a guess or a wish. Uh, The Confession says, It's an infallible assurance of faith founded upon the divine truth of the promises of salvation. Now, so it's for those of us who have faith, those of us who believe, uh, we can be assured of our salvation. But it is important because this is not a false hope. It's important for us to, to know what is faith? What does it mean to say, I have faith? And here's a, a place where the Heidelberg Catechism is very helpful. You know, what is true faith? And the answer is, true faith is not only a certain knowledge whereby I hold for truth all that God has revealed to us in His Word, but also a hearty trust, which the Holy Spirit works in me by the Gospel, that not only to others, but also to me, forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness, and salvation are freely given by God, merely of grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits. And this you know, ties back into what Colleen was saying. This is you know, the, the five solas you see, you know, it's only by Christ, it is um, merely of grace, it is, you know, the Holy Spirit working in us for the gospel, by the gospel. And this is what faith is. John Calvin in the Institute says, Now we shall possess a right definition of faith if we call it a firm and certain knowledge of God's benevolence towards us founded upon the truth of the freely given promise in Christ, both revealed to our minds and sealed upon our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Um, Martin Luther also added uh, in this, this discussion about salvation and faith, He who prays for remission of sins and hears the absolution of Christ should be certain that truly, just as the Word declares, his sins are forgiven, or her sins are forgiven. And he should be assured that this is in no sense man's work, but God's work. Whatever, therefore, is done in the church must rest on certainty. I find that encouraging, that it's it's God's work. Because if it were based on my work, um, I would not have a sure hope. No. And we wouldn't know, you know, if we've done enough today to maintain it, right? You know, if it's my work, if it's what I've done, you know, am I doing enough? Yeah. Am I keeping up my end? But that's not what it is. Yeah. I think we kind of naturally do that a little bit, um, tend towards that in our, in, our, in our minds. But I think that's why it's so important to remember that assurance is based on God's promises. And, you know, there's sometimes a difference between what we feel um, as far as our assurance and and where our standing is, just because you're struggling with insurance assurance doesn't mean that you aren't secure. But um, assurance is based in God's promises, and we've talked with when we've talked about law and gospel, the gospel promises, 
And we've talked about the importance of going back and reminding yourself of the gospel over and over again. Um, I need to do that every day. And uh, we may have this later on in the notes, I can't remember, but that's why I will often recite to myself Heidelberg Catechism 1-1, because that's a good reminder to me, um, which I'll, I'll go ahead and quote here, what is your only comfort in life and in death that I'm not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by the Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. And that's a reminder right there of the gospel and um, the promises uh, that we have in the gospel. It's one of my favorites. Just, you know, we've said before, and and for those who aren't familiar, that the Heidelberg, one of the main themes is comfort. And you see in it, it begins with the comfort that we have uh, in the, the surety of our salvation. Um, that comfort, that is our assurance that we are saved and that, that He won't lose any of us, of His. Assurance also, from what we see in the Westminster Confession and the other discussions, is it's an inward evidence. It's the testimony of the Spirit. We can have and should have assurance as believers because the Spirit is at work in us, and we can know that we are saved then, and that God will keep us until the end, as we've said. The um, This is part of the Spirit's work in us. This is part of our sanctification, which we've you know, kind of touched on in some of the other discussions that we've had. And uh, the confession, or sorry, the catechism says, answers, you know, what is sanctification? Sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die into sin and to live unto righteousness. The Lord is sanctifying us. The Spirit is at work in us. And we see in Second Thessalonians, it's 2.13, God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and of truth. And this internal evidence, again, this is this is more than just, you know, a feeling or, or a hope that we have. This is evidence that we can see in our lives to see that the Spirit is at work in us. Um, and this is something, especially if you do struggle with that, with the feelings of assurance, and some of us struggle more than others if you're prone to anxiety or to depression or, or to, to doubt um, in in general in your life, you may be more likely to, 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 to struggle with that sense, that feeling of assurance. And it can be helpful to talk to people who've known you through your walk, who know you as a Christian, who've known, who are believers, who see you, who can say, yes, and I can see the Lord is at work in you because of this in your life, and I watched this with you. And it can be helpful to get that um, that reassurance from other believers that they see uh, Christ is in you and that the Spirit is at work in you. You know, I've noticed in my own life and um, in some of my brothers and sisters, we've talked about it, is the more we draw close to Christ and we're growing in our faith, sometimes the more we see our sin and we're thinking, am I being sanctified? Am I growing in righteousness? And sometimes, you know, we're seeing God's holiness more and more. So we might see our sin more and more. Oh, wait, I'm worse than I thought I was. 
Um, and I love your suggestion, Rachel, of talking to people that have known you for a while. It's a really good idea. And I think our my natural tendency is to look inward to myself and not outward to Christ. And we really need to look to Christ for our assurance. And also, we look to the gospel for our assurance, not to the law. And if you haven't listened to our episodes on law and gospel or episodes with um, John Fonville, listen to those, because I think that will help with this, is understanding what that means. To look to the gospel, looking to the gospel means looking to the promises of God to us, not to the commands, but to the promises. Um, have a quote here from John Calvin on assurance, and he says, Therefore, laying aside all mention of the law and all idea of works, we must, in the matter of justification, have recourse to the mercy of God only. Turning away our regard from ourselves, we must look only to Christ. For the question is not how we may be righteous, but how, though unworthy and unrighteous, unrighteous we may be regarded as righteous if consciences would obtain any assurance of this they must give no place to the law so our assurance comes from christ from the gospel not from the law and what we want to look at is what is the purpose of assurance we have or we see in the westminster confession chapter that we're talking about chapter 18 that there are three fruits of assurance Listed, We have peace and love in the Spirit, love and thankfulness to God, and strength and cheerfulness and obedience. As we talked about, once we started out, that the Roman Catholic Church rejected assurance. Uh, they thought that assurance, as uh, Colleen was talking about, assurance would lead to, you know, lawlessness, to sinfulness. And so if if believers had security in their salvation, if they were sure to their salvation, there wouldn't be any need to obey God. But, you know, this is something that we addressed in the discussion with John Fonville. Uh, the Reformers talked about this, that knowing you're at peace with God gives strength and cheerfulness, as the Confession says, to obedience. Right? And this is, you know, the section, as we've mentioned in the Heidelberg, on gratitude is our response, right, to our salvation. Uh as Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. But we obey God, not out of our fear or desperation, but out of the gratitude that we have and because of the Spirit's continued work in our lives. And I have a quote from Calvin, uh, Sermon on Galatians. Galatians 5 passage is one of my favorites as it talks about this. You know, Paul says, you know, Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Have you begun with the the Spirit, but you're going to complete yourself your work uh, by your own efforts, right? And that's paraphrasing. But, you know, that's what we do. We turn to us and says, well, obviously we need to save ourselves. We need to prove ourselves through our work. But our work comes not because of a fear that we aren't saved, but because we have gratitude that we have been saved. And so what, what Calvin says here is, We need the assurance that he accepts us as his children and supports us so compassionately that he approves of what we do, though it is worthless because of the fatherly love he bears us. If we do not have this assurance, the thought of serving God would make us grind our teeth. 
If, however, we are persuaded that God looks upon us favorably, if, though we are weak and can do nothing worthy of his approval, he accepts us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we will be surely filled with courage. We will be like a ship's sail that has been stretched and filled by the breeze. Thus our hearts will run to obey him like a ship driven along by its sail. When we know that God delights in us and accepts our work, not wanting us to be compelled into servitude, he is happy for us to be his children and that we desire to obey him. Knowing this, we can serve our God with all the more zeal, with His grace as our foundation. We are so filled with His joy that we can offer the sacrifice of praise. Likewise, having sought Him in prayer, we can know that He will answer us, and in return we can thank Him for the priceless gifts that He communicates to us every day. And, you know, as we've said a couple times now about the Heidelberg, when it moves into the, the sections on gratitude... We have questions about, you know, why should we do good work since we've been saved, if we are saved by grace alone? And the question 86 answers, you know, since we are redeemed from our misery by grace through Christ without any merit of ours, why should we do good works? And the answer is, because Christ, having redeemed us by His blood, also renews us by His Holy Spirit after His own image, that with our whole life we show ourselves thankful to God for His blessing, and also that He be glorified through us, then also that we ourselves may be assured of our faith by the fruits thereof and by our godly walk, win others also to Christ. You know, it's uh, I had mentioned, I think a few weeks ago, that our Mormon neighbor who we'd, we'd been having conversations with and sharing the gospel with came over one day and just almost puzzled and said, if you don't have to do good works, why do you? And we actually took her to the Heidelberg Catechism. <laughs> Because I think the Heidelberg does a good job of explaining um, exactly why that's the case. So the next section, and I'm going to be including Rachel's article because we're kind of basing it on this because she does such an excellent job um, with these points and um, that we're going through today. So I highly recommend reading that article. But how can we have assurance? And I think that's the question of the day, isn't it? I think a lot of people want to know. Um, It's not some special blessing. I think sometimes people think something like that. Maybe they wouldn't say it right out, but like some Christians have some special blessing. And and also, if you're struggling with assurance, that doesn't mean that you are not in Christ. Um, Rachel had talked about sometimes people who struggle with depression and and anxiety for a variety of reasons. You You may have something physical. Um, hormones or some other thing that causes you to struggle with depression, anxiety may, may cause struggles with assurance. Um, and it's good to talk to people and be reminded, um, people that maybe encourage you when you're in a difficult time struggling with assurance. But remember that it is available to all believers through the work of the Spirit. It is the Lord's work in us. So one of the things, too, is don't, ne- don't neglect the ordinary means of grace. Things like, and these are things that help me, reading the Bible, praying. For me, there's um, a couple artists that I listen to that sing psalms. And there's a few of those psalms that are really helpful for me when I'm struggling. Um, attending worship, partaking of the Lord's Supper. And these are these are things that we should be doing, and I think regularly participating in these things, even fellowship and being with other believers, regular 
actively participating in these things, I think, is a help uh, to assurance. As we've, we've sort of touched on here, and we've certainly talked about elsewhere, you know, when we're talking about assurance, you know, the question does come up, you know, well, what about our good works? Like, what, what place do they have? And there's a, a great article by Scott Clark uh, at Heidelblog on Can I Have Assurance? And this will be linked in our, our notes. But he says, The fruit of faith strengthens our assurance, but it is not the basis of it. So our works are not the basis, he's saying. The sole basis or ground of assurance is Christ's righteousness for us and his unshakable promises to us. To refuse to have assurance on the ground that one is not sufficiently sanctified is a form of unbelief. Stop it. Repent of it. Of course you're not sanctified enough. You're a wretch. Jesus didn't die and obey or obey and die for nice sanctified people. He obeyed and died for you and me. Will your assurance always be perfectly and equally strong? No. Uh, our assurance ebbs and flows. We learn more and more to stop looking at ourselves just as we learn to stop looking at garbage heaps. And we learn to look more and more to look at Christ and His promises. And it's, it's very helpful to think and to remember that you know, Scripture says that when, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That, that the, the Father loves us and chose us despite who we are and what we've done. And, you know, Paul talks about being the chief of sinners. And you, I would consider him, you know, of course, one of the, if you pardon the phrase, you know, giants of the faith, right? Someone who, who knew the Lord personally and had demonstrated great faith, right? That if even Paul sees his, his failings, his sinfulness, that we shouldn't be surprised that we see them in us too. And our good works are good. They are the fruit of our faith, fruit of our salvation. Um, and and he's, as he, Scott says, it can strengthen our assurance, but it is not what we base our assurance on. I was I was talking to uh, a friend because I think there's always this kind of thing that we talked about with antinomianism and legalism, where but if we don't you know, put these threats there, aren't people just going to be antinomians? But um, my friend and I were talking about how it's actually uh, fixing my eyes on Christ and His work for me that motivates me to good works, where I'm free to obey now, because I'm not working. It's like that quote that you um, had said Mm -hmm. from your, uh, I think, RUF um, leader? Yes, are you of campus minister? Yeah. Do you want to sh- share that again? Because I think it's helpful. Uh, he would say, "Are you struggling to be free, or are you free to struggle?" Yeah, and so, and that's that really is the it, difference. Yeah, I think that's the difference in in looking outside of ourselves to Christ for for our assurance and kind of where our our good works fit in, or looking in inside of ourselves where we're struggling to be free. Um, so. In that chapter on the Westminster Confe- of the Westminster Confession, chapter eighteen that we've been talking about, the the divines wrote very pastorally in the section on assurance. Um, they talked about while insurance is infallible, right, the experience of it isn't the same for all believers at all times. Uh, that we can take a long time to have assurance, and it's not so essential to to our faith that you have to have it in order to be saved. And uh, our assurance can be weakened 
it can be damaged by neglect or sin, temptation. Um, but even though we don't feel it, or we don't always feel it, or don't feel it the same way, we always have assurance because of the Spirit's work in us. Um, in an article on Ligonier that uh, R.C. Sproul wrote, he says, he talks about this the formulation of us, the... Um, at the same, it's, it's the simul justus et peccator, so we are, we are both just and a sinner. Um, Luther is saying, Sproul says, in our justification, we are one and the same, righteous or just, and sinners. Now, if he would say that we are at the same time and in the same relationship, just and sinners, that would be a contradiction in terms. But that's not what he's saying. He was saying that from one perspective, in one sense, we are just. In another sense, from a different perspective, we are sinners. And how he defines that is simple. In and of ourselves, under the analysis of God's scrutiny, we still have sin. We are still sinners. But by imputation and by faith in Jesus Christ, whose righteousness is now transferred to our account, then we are considered just or righteous. This is the very heart of the gospel. So, regardless of, of what we feel today, as believers, if we have put our faith in Christ for our salvation, if we repent of our sins and and admit our need of Him, we have we have we are justified. We have salvation, and we can be assured of it because we know that the one who we have faith in is Christ, and His work is secure. I I do have a list of verses, and I'll put them in the in the episode notes, we're going to go through some of the objections that people say in a second, but I'll, I'll put um, some verses in the episode notes that uh, I found helpful. My husband has been probably uh, the biggest help to me in this. And I remember um, even when we were dating and I was struggling at that time and I don't even remember what I said at the time, but he reminded me of where Romans says, there is now therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And at that moment, that was encouraging to me. Sometimes it is really encouraging to talk to a brother or sister in Christ. And then Rachel had mentioned earlier uh, that Christ died for us as sinners, not for a righteous man. And the the passage that says that he died for us while we were yet sinners. He didn't wait till there was something endearing in us. You know, okay, that one's worth worth me dying on the cross. You know, he didn't look through time and say, well, that one's going to do pretty well, so I'll die for that one. Um, he died for us while we were yet sinners. So, uh, just things that are good reminders to me. And then I always, I think Heidelberg Catechism in general is helpful. And going through with all the proof texts, really helpful. But Heidelberg Catechism one one, I memorized it. I think I was pregnant with my third son, so... 20 years ago and I it's something that I remind myself of often so we want there are things that um, these are kind of things that we've heard people say when they're struggling with assurance so we thought it'd be helpful to kind of go through and offer some responses to them so the first one would be my faith isn't strong enough Uh, I'll let you answer that Rachel my faith isn't strong enough well, you know, I sort of mentioned it already about, you know, it's not the quality of our faith, it's the object of our faith that matters, right? It's not the strength of my faith that holds on to Christ. It's that He is secure and won't let me go. 
So, you know, and Scripture talks about if you have faith as a mustard seed, it's a very tiny, small bit of faith, right? It's not the strength of our faith. And we see Peter, you know, Peter wavered and fell into the water, right? And took his eyes off Christ. And, um, and he, he turned from Christ and, and denied him uh, before the crucifixion and, and was, um, and repented, came back, of course. But, you know, even if your faith wavers, it's not the strength of our faith that saves us. It's Christ who saves us. And I think even what we were saying earlier, and Rachel talked about this some too, looking to Christ, when, when you're in that situation and you feel like your faith isn't strong enough, and instead of trying to muster something up inside of yourself, look to Christ. Remember His promises to you. Remember the gospel. Um, another one of the things that we hear is, you know, well, I still sin, I don't obey enough. And we, yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> we kind of answered that a little bit with, with Scott Clark, but what else would you like to say? No, I was just going to say that. I think that's that like one of the most common ones I hear, but go ahead. <laughs> well, what I was going to say, you know, we, we've touched on it. We touched on it with what uh, Scott Clark has said about, um, about you know, your assurance is not based on, um, you know, how well we obey and on our good works. Um, it's also when we talked about are we struggling to be free? Are we free to struggle? The Christian life is a life of struggle. We we have the already and the not yet. We have been saved. We are being saved. We're being sanctified, and we will one day uh, be be finally saved in the sense of like the process for us will be complete. Our salvation is final and complete from the beginning, but the process in us making us more holy is still at work until we are uh, glorified, till Christ returns, and. In that, that struggle, when you experience that struggle, when you're struggling with your sin and you're concerned about whether or not you're saved, and we've, I know that Colleen has mentioned this before in, in a discussion, uh, in other discussions that we've had, but non-believers don't worry about whether or not they're saved, right? People who are not not had the spirit at work in their hearts are not concerned about whether or not they're doing they're obeying enough or whether or not uh, they what they do will please or displease God you know that this is something that is is evidence of the the work of the spirit in us that we struggle against our sin that we are our consciences are pricked by our sin that we 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 don't want to live that way and we can be assured that the Spirit is at work in us, that we are saved, because we are concerned and we care about whether or not we are believers, about whether or not we are serving God the way we way we have been called to. Yeah, I, I find that so helpful, everything you just said right there, Rachel. Um, I think it's important to remember that our, our doubts and feelings don't they do not determine the security of our salvation. And, you know, Rachel talked earlier about how that can kind of ebb and flow. There's times where we're not struggling with assurance, and then there's times uh, where you are, and your security in Christ is no different at either of those times. Uh, you're, you're secure in Christ, and the doctrine of perseverance of the saints, as Rachel talked about. And I, I find it even just helpful when what you were talking about a little earlier is remembering that sanctification, that Christ is at work in me. And I think that even includes, I've, I've realized as I've grown in my faith that, um, that even assurance is, is part of what the Lord through the Holy Spirit has grown in me. And I'm comforted that He's working in me.
Me too. <laughs> in me as well. It is comfort. It is. It's comforting to see the work in us. Um, and it is something that I think at times we see better in looking back than we can see in the moment. And you look back at times and say, you know, I can see what God was doing there. Or I see how he has been at work in me. Um, one thing that we see, um, you know, going back to the the confession, uh, God doesn't leave us without some some seed of hope. Um, the confession encourages believers to pursue this, the the love of Christ, sincerity of heart, and conscience of duty, and to trust that through the work of the Spirit, assurance will return. Um, we can have assurance of salvation. The Spirit is our earnest, our pledge. He is the down payment of our salvation. And as such, is the promise that we are sealed in Him. We cannot be lost. There's so many scriptures that teach this, that we cannot be lost. Um, uh, Jesus says that not one that the Father has given Him will He lose. Our feelings may come and go, but we have security knowing that Christ is a firm foundation. We can love God, we can obey Him, knowing that nothing can separate us from Christ. That's another one of my favorite uh, verses from Romans 8, the very end. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And we can look forward to Christ's return with joy. We don't have to be afraid of the judgment. We do not have to be afraid of the judgment day, because we have been bought and paid for. Christ's blood has paid for our sins. His obedience has merited um, salvation for us. Right? We we have everything that we need in Christ, and we are safe. Um, Colleen mentioned that you know there are certain artists that she likes to listen to that are encouragement, and I I have some as well. And one of the ones that I a, a song that I love, it's a originally written by Top Lady, it's A Debtor to Mercy Alone, and there is a, um, I think it's Sandra McCracken, Indelible Grace version of it uh, that is very dear, and the verse says, My name from the palms of his hands eternity will not erase. Impressed on his heart it remains in marks of indelible grace. Yes, I to the end shall endure, as sure as the earnest is given, more happy, but not more secure, the glorified spirits in heaven. And that song and many others really do minister to me uh, in this way. Yeah, I maybe I'll I'll share something that I do. I don't know. Maybe it will be something others can do too. But I I have a playlist that I just call it comfort. Um, but th- that playlist is something that I listen to. I might be suffering or or struggling with something. I might be struggling with assurance, whatever it is that I'm struggling with. Um, I will play that. And I think music can offer um, a lot of comfort. Luther had a good quote about music. I don't have it in front of me. Um, but he he saw music as uh, quite a blessing from the Lord. And um, before we wrap up, I, I wanted to mention Michael Horton has a little video, and it's it's another thing that I will periodically watch as a reminder of the promises of God. And it, it's less than five minutes. It's less than five minutes, and it's called "What Is the Gospel?" I'll link it in the episode notes. I'm only going to read one little part of it, but 
says, gospel is a very particular word or kind of speech in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the gospel is God's promise of a son who will crush the serpent's head, forgive the sins of his people, raise them from the dead, and give them everlasting life solely on the basis of his grace for the sake of Christ. And I sometimes when I am struggling, I will, I'll go and watch that and just being reminded of the gospel, it just, it does bring me comfort to remember those promises of God, even throughout scripture, that he promised um, to crush the serpent's head, to um, forgive the sins of his people, to impute his righteousness to us. So I'll include that also. Um, so I'll, I'll try to organize it well, just some different things that might be of help, um, including Rachel's article. And then we have a couple other articles. We mentioned the one by R. Scott Clark and uh, one by Sproul, and we've got a couple others. So we're going to add all of those, and I hope that they will be of encouragement. And maybe, Rachel, you can give me a link to that song if it's on YouTube. Um and maybe a couple others that we can um, give you to check out that, that might offer some comfort for you. So, well, thank you so much for joining us. I hope this was an encouragement um, to you because I know this is something that all of us, I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I remember talking to my grandma who'd been a Christian since 13 years old and she was 90 during our conversation. So, um, you know, it, it is something that all of us struggle with. And if you are struggling, talk to some brothers and sisters in Christ, and they may be able to offer you some encouragement. So thank you so much for joining us.